So let's read from Romans chapter 8, and we shall read the first two verses, uh, and then we just start our journey from there. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, the first two verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. From the law of sin and death. Notice that again. That the law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Has made me free. From the law. Or the principle. Of sin and death. So let's talk about. The spirit of life tonight. The spirit of life. Father. We receive the anointing of your Holy Spirit for the ministry of your precious Holy Word. We do ask that your Word will be quickened to our hearts today and we will receive wisdom and understanding from it by the revelation of the Spirit. May we understand our inheritance and be able to walk in it more fully from tonight. And we do ask at the end of the message, confirm your Word with signs following. By healing like only you can heal. Deliver like only you can deliver tonight. Bless like only you can bless. And we vow with our very lives, we will give you all the glory, all the honor and the adoration for everything you will do here in Jesus' name. And somebody says, Amen. The Old Testament was lived under the law of Moses. And this law was described as the law of sin and death here. Why? Because the law of Moses brought the consciousness of sin, and then without law, there is no sin. And so, uh, the, the law bringing this consciousness of sin only helped to account sin against the people. The weakness of the Old Testament law is found, in fact, in the third verse. I wish I had you read that. It says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And what the Bible is trying to say here is this. When God gave the law of Moses to his children, the law of Moses had one weakness. And that weakness was it depended on the flesh or on human effort for its fulfillment. In other words, human effort was supposed to be the way of obedience to the law. Whereas human effort cannot accomplish the requirements of the law. The reason is because of this principle of sin. Uh, This principle of sin is a power, a force of the devil that compels man uh, to disobey God. And so, wherever man in his own self-effort comes into confrontation 
with the power of sin, the power of sin overcomes him. And so he is not able to fulfill God's righteous requirement. However, God has now introduced a new life in Christ Jesus. The first thing God did was to send Jesus into the world. He lived above sin. He fulfilled all the requirements of the Lord. And then at the end of that, he went to Calvary's cross. And on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. He received the judgment that was due to us for our sins on the cross. And now we are given in the place of sin the gift of righteousness. In other words, the fulfillment of the law, the obedience of Jesus to the law, the complete obedience of Jesus to the righteous requirement of the law are now accounted to us who never fulfilled the law. Just like our sins were counted on the sinless Jesus, the righteousness of the sinless Jesus are accounted to our sinful selves. Jesus never committed any sin when he was made a sin on the cross of Calvary. And so without committing any righteousness or without doing any righteousness, just like the sinless was made sinful on the cross, we the sinful through the same cross have been made sinless before God. Let somebody say praise the Lord. So we now have the gift of righteousness. But this gift of righteousness also came with an impartation. And that is the impartation of the spirit of life to us. Here in Romans 8, 2, it says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The reality is in the New Testament, we now have the spirit of God indwelling us. And this spirit of God that is indwelling us is imparting to us the very life of God himself. And by that impartation of the life of God, we have a nature change by which we are able to live lives that are pleasing unto God uh, and also overcome the consequences of sin. Let me move forward with this message towards our emphasis for tonight. When you will notice, it says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Wherever you find sin, you will also find the death there together with sin. And you say, why? Because according to Romans chapter 6 verse 23, the wages of sin is death. There was absolutely nothing like death until sin came into the world. When Adam and Eve sinned, they opened the door for death. God had warned them never to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, The day you eat of it, you will surely die. They did not die immediately physically, but they died spiritually. And spiritual death is separation from God. And so there was separation cut off from the life of God. Even today, the Bible describes the lives of the Gentiles, those who are outside the faith like that. When it says in Ephesians 4, 17, this, I said, Therefore, that you walk not as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, being alienated from the life of God 
through the ignorance that is in them by the hardness of their hearts. They are alienated, separated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. The spiritual ignorance disconnects them from the life of God. And that was what happened to Adam and Eve. They were disconnected uh, from the spiritual life of God. Life as God has it in himself. You know, Adam had this impartation of the life of God when he was the day he was made. And with that, he had divine instincts within him to think like God, to feel like God, to act like God, and to perform like the Almighty God. Man was now cut off from the supply of that life. And that is how sin began to reign. And so, consequently, because of the lack of supply of the spiritual life, physical death also resulted. And so we see physical death happening to man. So that's why you will always see that connection between sin and death. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense, one man's sin, death reigned by one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, that is Christ Jesus. So again, we see there, by one man's offense, death reigned. By one man's sin, death came. Death passed on everybody as a result of sin. So sin is the door opener for death. Therefore, whatever price is paid for sin is automatically paid for death. Once sin is taken out of the way, death is taken out of the way. Does that sound logical? Does that make any sense? No wonder John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Okay? So the perishing goes away and then life takes its place. Once sin is dealt with, I mean sin is dealt with, death is also annihilated. So you see the Bible says death where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? And it says that the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. In Christ Jesus, the law has been taken away. Because you and I are in Christ today. And what Christ did 2,000 years ago was he lived under the law, then he died to the law. Since you and I are now in Christ, it is accounted we have lived and fulfilled the law and we have died to the law. So... The law has been taken out of the way so that, the, so that sin will not be accounted against us for as long as we are in Christ Jesus. Let me hear somebody say praise the Lord. Alright, so as a result of that, the sting of death has been taken out of the way, which is sin. So uh, death is dealt with. And that's why when you come into Christ Jesus, the first thing you are given is power over death. Death cannot just take hold of you anyhow. Spiritually, you are reconnected back to God. So you have spiritual life once again. Spiritually, you are no longer dead. And then secondly, when you die physically, there is hope of a resurrection. Your body will resurrect the day Jesus Christ comes back. That is, that is when the full claim of the redemption Jesus Christ purchased for you will be your portion. However, you need to also understand that when you read through scripture, in the same vein, you will see the connection between sickness and death. Why? Because sickness is the inception of death in the body. 
like the, like the drizzling of the rain announces the arrival of the rain. So is it the sickness announces the arrival of death. You see, Adam and Eve did not die physically immediately, uh, but everything started with sicknesses and then eventually started leading to death. So sickness is the inception of death in the body. The price that was paid for sin, which was the same price that was paid to get rid of death, was the same price that was also paid to get rid of sickness. So you have victory over sickness by the atoning work of Christ on Calvary's cross. So let's look at a few scriptures that confirm that and a few experiences in the Bible. Speaking about the atonement of Christ, Isaiah foretold it. And in Isaiah 53, he said in verses uh, 4 to 5, it says, well, in the old King James Version, it says, surely he hath borne, that is, he has carried vicariously or substitutionarily our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes ye are healed. Okay? So, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, with his stripes we are healed. So, at the same time that he paid the price for our sins, he also paid the price for our sicknesses. Let me hear somebody say, praise the Lord. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Who his own self did bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins might live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. Now when Isaiah was prophesying. Isaiah said ye are healed. By the time Peter was going to quote that scripture. Isaiah foretold it before the cross of Calvary. Peter was speaking after Jesus had gone to the cross and resurrected. And so Peter said, by whose stripes ye were healed. Just like you were forgiven in Christ 2,000 years ago, you were healed in Christ 2,000 years ago. Let somebody say, praise the Lord. So the price that was paid for your sins was paid for your sicknesses also. Even way back in the Old Testament, you see that connection again between sin and sickness, forgiveness and healing. Psalm 103, very popular passage of scripture. I love it and I believe you love it. Very common. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Once he forgave all your iniquities, he now healed all your diseases. As soon as you find forgiveness, you'll find healing at the same time. James chapter 5 verse 14, you see that connection again. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Glory to God. The same prayer that heals the sick is the same prayer that forgives the sinner. Now, you will find two examples in the ministry of Jesus 
we are seeing was connected uh, to sickness. There was a blind man that Jesus healed in John chapter 5. The Bible tells us that the man had an infirmity 38 years. And he was gathered together by the pool called Siloam. Where there lay a multitude of sick people, paralyzed people. And the Lord Jesus went to this particular man asking him, will you be made whole? And then the man was talking all about, oh, I've been here trying to get my healing for a long time. I do not have any man to take me into the pool, you see. When the angel comes to stare up the water, somebody gets there before me. And he went into all those rhetoric. The Lord Jesus said, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And the man was immediately healed by the power of God. Later, Jesus found the man in the temple in John chapter 5, verse 20. And he warned the man, he said, go and see no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Apparently, sin opened the door for that sickness to come upon him. And now the Lord Jesus Christ was giving him the advice that the Bible gives us in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Praise God. You know, even in the New Testament, though Jesus has paid the price, you and I can give place to the devil. I have given place several times before. And despite all the scripture I know and all the healing power I walk in, I've been as sick as a hospital myself. Very, very ill. In the hospital, you have five many sicknesses there. So, uh, so, so I find myself very, very ill. Either I break the law of rest, or I break the law of nutrition, or, or, or some other law. So you get into trouble if you break the laws. That's the way God designed your body to function and your body to be maintained. You don't put engine oil in your car engine, it will knock. That's just the way it is with the human body. You can't take the grace of God for granted and say, by his stripes, I am healed. And then live your lifestyle anyhow, eat anyhow, uh, you know, deprive yourself of sleep anyhow, you pay for it. <laughs> you get that, somebody? So we need to separate issues here. Amen. Don't die. They say, no, this scripture cannot be right. After all, that are born again, because they fall sick, and some people die. And so this cannot be true. The word of God is true. Before your sickness came, it was true. After your sickness is gone, it is still true. If you die before your time, the word of God will still remain true. So I advise you, praise God, stand on the word and stay alive. Stay alive and stay healthy. Let me hear somebody say amen. So the price that was paid for our sin was paid for the consequence of death and was also paid for the consequence of sickness. You will discover Luke chapter 5. The Lord Jesus Christ was teaching the word of God in his own house in Capernaum. And then there were these four friends who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus for healing. But there was a multitude that jam-packed the entire house. The Bible called them multitude. Jesus must have had a, a big house. Anyway, they, they couldn't find a way to get into the house. And so they went up the rooftop and they tore the roof. And then they let their friend down right in front of Jesus by a rope while Jesus was preaching. The Bible tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick man, your sins are forgiven you. That was the first thing he said. Before he now said, rise up, take up your bed and go home. So you can see the connection there. He gave forgiveness and then healing followed. At the end of the day. Why? Because sickness is the inception of death in the body. 
and whatever takes care of sin takes care of sickness at the same time. So somebody say out loud, say my sins were taken care of on the cross of Calvary. I am forgiven, therefore I am healed in Christ Jesus. I am redeemed from my sins and I am redeemed from my sicknesses also. Shout the loudest hallelujah. So we now go back to the answer that God has given us in the New Testament in the place of the principle of sin. God has now given us his life. He's imparted his nature into us and imparted his life. So it says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So now we are free from the law of sin and death. Now unless you catch this revelation, it will not work for you. Because the way we activate the life of God is by faith. Galatians 2 verse 20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ Jesus. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who died and gave himself for me. God has given you faith in your heart, and you need to exercise that faith to activate the life of God. Now, the faith begins, hear this statement, faith begins where the will of God is known. I say that again. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Except I know what is God's mind for me, I will not be able to exercise faith in that area. Now, I want you to know that the Spirit of God indwells you in the New Testament, and so the life of God indwells you. You need to know that. That is the first key to you living a life of victory in Christ Jesus. Know that the Spirit of God indwells you. Come to that knowledge that he is on the inside. First John 2 verse 20. For you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. That unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, according to verse 27 of First John chapter 2, abides in you. The Bible tells us, John 14 verses 15 to 16, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world uh, cannot receive because it does, it does not see him nor know him. But you know him for he lives with you and shall be in you. Come and somebody say out loud, say the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Bible says that this love, the spirit of life is in Christ. And now you are in Christ. You are in Christ and the spirit of Christ, the spirit of life is in you. So he lives on the inside of you. You need to become God inside conscious. I just heard Dr. Ottobill say in the New Testament when God answers prayer, he answers prayer according to the power that works in you. In the New Testament, God does not walk from heaven down. He walks from the inside out. <laughs> I said God does not walk from heaven down. He walks from the inside out. The Holy Spirit of God indwells the believer in the New Testament. That is something so special. They had no idea of it in the Old Testament. 
In fact, Jesus said of everyone born of a woman, in the Old Testament, there was none greater than John the Baptist. He said, nevertheless, he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Say it out loud. Say, I am greater than John the Baptist. Are you sure you are talking, speaking the truth? Jesus said so. Jesus, there's nothing arrogant with saying that. Because those Old Testament saints did not have this experience of the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. He will come upon them and empower them to use them occasionally and withdraw. But he lives on the inside of us permanently. The address of the Holy Spirit is here. I am the address of the Holy Spirit. Uh, glory be to God. First Corinthians 3.16 says that you are the temple of the living God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says that ye are the temple of the living God. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us in the New Testament. We are the temple of God. Old Testament, God lived inside a physical building and they all went to that building to worship him. New Testament, God lives on the inside of us. The glory of God, they were, the glory of God was in the building in the Old Testament. Now our bodies are the buildings that carry the glory of God in the New Testament. The glory of God was so powerful. <laughs> I remember my wife and I planning to visit Israel recently, and I was teaching along these lines in church. Okay, I was actually teaching about the name of Jesus, like I did on the mainland yesterday. And I remember telling them in church, I said, uh, you know, the, the temple was dedicated in the Old Testament, and one of the things it was dedicated for was that God will answer any prayer being prayed there. And so you see people go to the wailing wall these days in Jerusalem and they pray. And there are testimonies that prayers do get answered there. I said, but what the wailing wall did for them in the Old Testament, the name of Jesus, does for us in the New Testament. I don't need to go to a physical building to pray. Anytime I pray in the name of Jesus, it's as powerful as any building anywhere. In fact, it's even more powerful than any building anywhere. But because my wife and I were planning to go to Jerusalem recently, do you know some church members still wrote prayer requests and gave it to her? Say, Mama, please help us pray when you get to Jerusalem. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Say, after all my teaching, you still have confidence that the prayer prayed in the building will be answered and you believe it will be more answered than the one you are praying personally. Lord, have mercy. Lord have mercy. What you do not understand was that what made that building a very special place was that the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of the Almighty God dwelt inside that building. But that Shekinah glory now lives inside me in the New Testament. Hallelujah. I am as powerful as that building. I said I am as powerful as that building. The glory of God is here. Hallelujah. And God wants you to be conscious of that. That everywhere you go, you carry God. You carry the Almighty everywhere you go, child of God. You don't need to look for God like He's very far away and then look to heaven and then go, Where are you? He is here. If only you can hear Him, you say, I'm here, I'm here, son, I'm here, daughter. <laughs> he is on the inside. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us glory be to god i said glory be to god 
the God inside conscious. Be God inside conscious. Number two, be conscious of the life of God within you. Be conscious of the life of God within you. You see, in John chapter 4, Jesus was speaking to the woman by the well of Samaria and speaking about, uh, about, about water. He said to the woman, if you know the gift of God and he who it is that is saying to you, give me water, you will have asked of him and he will have given you living water. <laughs> of course, the woman was like, which water do you have that is better than the water of this well dug by our father Jacob? And he, he drank of it himself and his cattle. So which water are you talking about? And then Jesus said to her in verse 14, he said, whosoever will drink of this water will thirst again. But whosoever will drink of the water that I will give him. He said, it will be in him a well of water. One translation of the Bible says, a fountain of water. Another one says, a spring of water. And it says, springing up into everlasting life. In other words, this water of the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us will impart the life of God to us. So somebody say, I have the life of God in me. What the Holy Spirit does is to impart the life of God to me. Life is a principle of power and mobility. Life is what gives you the instincts that you have. Life is what gives you the nature that you have. The biological human life that you have is the reason why you behave like a human being. Dogs have their own. It makes them behave like dogs. Hyenas have their own. It makes them behave like hyenas. Snakes have their own. It makes them behave like snakes. So when you see a human being behaving like one of those animals, then you know that there's something wrong somewhere. That there's strange life somewhere there. <laughs> they are called demonic spirits. <laughs> Glory to God. But as a normal human being, you behave like a normal human being. When you have the life of God on the inside of you, then you behave like God. Is that not so? I said, is that not so? Then you operate with divine capacities. Is that not so? Now, something about life is this. Life is the opposite of death. And wherever life is found, that is the life of God, I mean, the life of God conquers death. Just like the light of God conquers death. Now, Jesus, you know, light and life are, are in, used interchangeably in the New Testament. John chapter 1, concerning Jesus, says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him uh, there was not anything made that was made. And then it says in verse, uh, uh, verse 3, In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. Okay? In Christ was life. And that life was the illumination of man. And then in the next verse it says, in verse 4, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness overcometh it not, comprehended it not. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. When the light of God shines, darkness is dispelled. When the life of God is imparted, death is dispelled. There was a very great man of God by the name John G. Lake who lived in the 20th century. Powerful apostle of God. 
God sent him to Southern Africa. And within the space of five years, he planted uh, over 600 churches in the Southern African region, himself and his team. And there was this plague that broke out like Ebola, called the Bobanic Plague. It was killing people en masse, just like Ebola killed people in Liberia and Sierra Leone. But, but while it was killing people all over, and you know, people were running away from the dead, because when you come in contact with the dead, you catch the same disease, just like Ebola, G. Lake and his team had to be burying a lot of people, burying a lot of people, but they never caught the disease. Scientists that came down from the United States uh, to, to examine the disease were surprised that these guys were not dying. So they asked John G. Lake about it. Why are you not dying? Why are you and your team able to survive it? He said there is such a thing as the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that is operating in my body. They said, how does it work? He said, when germs come in contact with the life of God, he said, those germs operate under the principle of death. So when they come in contact with the life of God, they die. So what they did was to get some fraud out of the mouth of a dying person because their saliva will always have these germs in it. And they put the fraud on the palms of John G. Lake and examined the germs under a microscope. And they discovered that in a matter of minutes, all the germs died. <laughs> Come on, somebody shout, I have the life of God in me. When sickness comes in contact with my body, sickness dies. Come and say, in the name of Jesus, I activate the life of God that is within me right now. And I declare sicknesses and diseases in my body die. They die right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. One translation of the Bible says that the law of the life-giving spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Another translation says that the law of the life-imparting spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Life-giving, life-imparting. The Holy Ghost is not on the inside of me just for speaking in tongues alone. He is on the inside of me to impart the life of God to me. Where there is hate, he imparts love. Where there is fear, he imparts faith. Where there is weakness, he imparts strength. Where there is sickness, he imparts healing. That is the way the Holy Ghost works in my life. He is imparting the life of God. Whatever is not of God is annihilated when the Holy Spirit imparts that which is of God to me. So there is transformation from the inside to the outside by the power of this life of God. It's called endless life. You cannot measure its power. There are no, no limitations to its capability. It will conquer anything that comes against it. Put me over every obstacle. Turn my stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Give me victory over every darkness. 
and over every battle of the enemy against my life. It is the life of God. Hallelujah. Now in relation to my body, Romans 8 verse 11 now says, If the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Jesus up from the dead shall quicken. Somebody say quicken. Say it again. Say one more time. The word quicken them is shall make alive. Make alive my mortal body through his spirit that dwells on the inside of me. He will make alive. When the sickness, it is the inception of death. That means my body is dying when I am sick. But the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead shall make alive my mortal body by his spirit that dwells in me. So no matter the sickness, once you have the spirit on the inside of you, there is a ray of hope. You will have on the inside of you something stronger than the sickness afflicting your body. It is stronger than asthma. Stronger than ulcer. Stronger than fever. Stronger than cancer. Stronger than HIV. Stronger than sickle cell. Stronger than blindness. Stronger than deafness. Shout aloud as Hallelujah. The life of God within you is stronger than the operation of the principle of death. Glory to God. So be conscious the Holy Ghost is on the inside of me. The life of God is on the inside of me. Number three, activate the life of God by your confession. Activate the life of God by your confession of faith. The way the New Testament works is that things work by faith. The just shall live by faith, says Romans 1.17. Sometime ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, My children are trying to get from me other things apart from how they got their salvation. Salvation is the greatest gift that God has to offer you. And by grace are you saved through what? Faith. You got the greatest gift through faith. Every provision of blessing that God has for you in the New Testament is a provision that came through the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary's cross. You cannot get it any other way except by faith. And how does faith work? Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 says, We have in also the same spirit of faith as it is written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. Yeah, that's how it works. When you believe something in the New Testament, you say it. Romans 10 verse 5, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. The righteousness which is of faith is always speaking. Romans 10 verse 8 says, but what saith it, the word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. The word of God must not be found in your heart alone. It must be found in your mouth. Now, there's this illustration in Exodus chapter 17. 
in, in Exodus 17, uh, the children of Israel were thirsty and they were looking for water in the wilderness. They were really very famished and they were dying literally. I mean, they were almost dying. And so they murmured to Moses and said, hey, why has God brought us out into this wilderness to kill us? You should have left us in Egypt so that we wouldn't have died uh, in this wilderness. Why, why are we here? And after that, what God did to them was God told Moses to take his rod and to strike the mountain, to strike, smite the rock. And he smote the rock, and when he did that, guess what happened? Water came out from the rock for them to drink. Now, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, or is it 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that, uh, from verse 1, that I will not have you ignorant brethren, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and under the sea and were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And then he said, for they did all eat of the same spiritual meat and drink of the same spiritual drink. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And he said there in verse 4, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So in the Old Testament, the, the rock that followed them was who? Christ was the rock that followed them. So you now said, smite the rock. Does that sound like anything you are familiar with? Uh, yeah, it's, it's like that Isaiah 53 we quoted earlier, verses 4 to 5. Surely he had borne our sins and uh, our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for your transgressions, he was bruised for your iniquities. So, when God told Moses, smite the rock, it was a type of Jesus being smitten on the cross. And then we see supply came as a result of the crucifixion. Can somebody shout the loudest hallelujah? So the work of the atonement brought a miracle. However, later again in Numbers chapter 20, they found themselves in a similar situation. They were now thirsty again. But because Christ has been smitten once, God this time around did not say smite the rock. God told Moses in verse 8, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will, it will yield its water. Who is the rock again? Christ is the rock. So, initially, he was to do what? Smite the rock. A type of crucifixion. But after crucifixion, what do you now do? You speak to the rock. You do not smite the rock the second time. Moses carried his rock. Smote the rock very well. Twice. Water came out, but God said, you won't make it to the promised land, Moses. Because he was crucifying Jesus the second time as it were. You are not to crucify him again. You are to what? Speak to him. What am I to speak to him? Speak to him his own word. What he has accomplished when he was smitten. You speak to him. 
when the symptom of sickness comes upon your body by his stripes I am healed Jesus I thank you because by your stripes I am here. I'm going to lead some of us in doing it tonight. You will be amazed at how miracles will just break out here when we do it. Because when we speak to the rock, the waters, the supplies, and the life that is in the rock comes to us abundantly. So we activate the life of God by our confession of faith. Can I hear somebody say, praise the Lord. Number four, as I begin to round up now, we activate the law of the spirit of life by contact and transmission. Let me put it another way, by the laying on of hands. By the laying on of hands. When I lay hands on somebody, the life of God that is within me flows to them. There is a flow of life and power when I lay my hands. So when I touch a dead wire with a life wire, what happens? There is a flow of current. Is that not so? You carry currents. The right kind of currents. Come and somebody say, I carry currents. You need to understand the nature of the power of God in the New Testament. That it is a tangible power and it is a transmittable power. Glory to God. So Jesus makes a statement like this. Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These signs shall follow them that what? Believe. It does not say this sign shall follow the evangelists alone. Or this sign shall follow the apostles alone. He says this sign shall follow them that believe. Every believer in Jesus. These signs will follow them because they are in Christ. And the life of Christ flows through them. So it can flow through me to touch other people. Especially when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, in John chapter 4, Jesus said that he who drinks of this water, it says that water in John 14 verse 14, shall be him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. By the time he got to John chapter 7, the Bible says in verse 37, in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried. If in verse 38, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow. Somebody says, shall flow rivers of living water. Now, this is an outflow. Somebody said, this is an outflow. You say the fountain will flow and bless you. The rivers will flow out of you and bless others. God does not only want you blessed, God wants you to be a blessing. It's always greater to be a blessing than to be blessed. Can I hear somebody say amen? amen. Always greater to be a blessing than to be blessed. So I can be a blessing when I lay my hands upon other people and this thing shall follow them that believe. Many years ago, I went to seek the Lord. But 30 years ago, I went to seek him. I said, Lord, give me power. I know you've called me to be an evangelist. Give me miracle-working power. He said, what have you done with what I gave you? 
I said, what did you give me, Lord? He said, what I gave you as a believer. Have you not read in my word that these signs shall follow them by believe in my name? They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So you need to start laying hands by faith. Oh, I said, okay, Lord. I shall obey you. Anyway, I tried lay hands upon a few people. Yeah, no, just one-on-one, you know. And I got a few results, you see. Uh, but I was called to be a preacher. And one day it was like the Holy Spirit was just tired of my unbelief. And he did a setup for me. I was invited to a youth meeting. I will never forget 1988. I was invited to a youth meeting to preach. And I went there to preach. It was about Easter time. And the theme of the program was the risen Lord. So I was speaking about the resurrection power of Jesus. And I found myself saying, somebody was interpreted to Yoruba while I was preaching. And I found myself saying, at the end of this message, we are going to pray for the sick. And you are going to see people healed in this place. <laughs> After I said that, an interpreter was interpreting. And I asked myself the question, what did you just say, Victor? <laughs> you just committed yourself to something that is beyond you. Ah, now you have no choice. I kept preaching. and was dealing with my fears on the inside of me. What if I pray for the sick and nobody gets healed at the end of the day? And all that struggle was going on on the inside of me. But I had already told the people publicly, I had to do it. So, when I finished preaching, I asked the people to come out. And then, I laid hands on them. A couple of friends who went with me, so they joined me to lay hands on people. If I one or two of them fell under the power. And it was an Orthodox church, an African church actually. And this guy was very angry. This youth pastor. When he saw that display people falling down, that all are falling down nonsense, you know. That was the way he saw it. He was like, what's all this thing going on here? Anyway, but anyway, even after praying, whether somebody fell down, that, that was not my business. I promised them I was going to pray for them, and I prayed for them, and I told everybody to go and sit down, and I sat down myself. I didn't try to take any testimony. What if nobody was healed? So, uh, so the man came out and said, well, um, I thought that uh, miracles will happen here. What was all this falling down, all that nonsense about? Was, everywhere was quiet, dead silent. I mean, you could feel the fear, the palpable fear everywhere. I was like, this guy's about to ring this service. I just wise bold and I stood up. I said, excuse me, sir. Give me the microphone. I collected the microphone from him. He released it reluctantly. I said, check your bodies, those of you that we prayed for. I said, when we laid hands on you, the power of God touched you. The resurrection power of Jesus touched you. Check your bodies. Some of you will discover the problem left you instantly. I said, if it didn't leave you instantly, it doesn't mean it will leave you. The power of God has already touched you. I said, but check your body. Some of you will be instantly healed. One elderly woman raised her hand. She said, I have had a problem with my knee for five years. And I cannot feel the pain anymore. Everybody clapped their hands. I told the people, check your bodies very well. A young lady raised her hand. Said, I've had a stomach ache for like three years now. When hands were laid on me, I fell down. When I fell down, I felt like somebody dipped his hand into my tummy and removed something. I can't feel the pain anymore. <laughs> I said, check your bodies, people. Another hand went up. <laughs> One lady said, 
I couldn't read my Bible without glasses before. Now I can read it without glasses. I said, check your bodies. <laughs> check your bodies. After taking about five testimonies there, I sat down. I went back home on cloud nine. Glory to God. But since that day, the Lord has pushed me into believing I can pray for the sick because these signs shall follow them that believe. That believe. That believe. My healing ministry as I have it today began in 1991. Moving to the level at which I operate today started in 1991. That was a different encounter with God. But every believer is anointed. And the Holy Spirit has been staring me in recent years. That I should just challenge the body. That we carry so much power that is underutilized inside us. Potential power. But it is different from kinetic power. We all learned it in school. That there's a difference between potential energy and kinetic energy. The interesting thing about this power is this. It is healing power, but even does more than healing. That's why it says unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, far above all that we ask or think according to the power. The Greek word is dunamis. That same word is the word employed in Mark chapter 5 when the woman with the issue of blood came and touched the hem of his garment and Jesus said, who touched me? Because he knew in himself that virtue had gone out of him. The word virtue there is power. Dunamis in the Greek, the same word. The same word, the same power that healed that woman is the same power that the Bible says, according to that power, God will do exceeding abundantly above all we ask in prayer or think in our dreams. Glory to God. Second Peter chapter 1 tells us about the same dunamis power. It says in verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Except you are not born again, the spirit of God is in you. Except you are not born again, virtue is in you. And you can activate it any day, any time in order to get results for yourself and get results for other people. And we're going to have some practicals here tonight. Are you ready for practicals? Rise to your feet. God bless you. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Oh, what an anointing in this house. So sweet. Come and lift your hands and thank God. Say, welcome Holy Spirit. His presence is so rich here. So rich here. 